Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Served by SHFM, your food service hospitality podcast. The Society for Hospitality and Food Service Management is a community of like-minded professionals seeking educational, developmental, and networking opportunities to enrich their personal and professional goals. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our latest episode of Served by SHFM. Uh, We are your hosts, Michael Moore and Danny Pedersen. And in today's episode of Served by SHFM, your food service hospitality podcast, we're talking about the importance of agility in food service from staying nimble in business to the importance of innovation. And to further explore that topic, today we're joined by Mr. Kevin Dore, Vice President of Retail Solutions for Morrison Healthcare. Kevin has a long history in food service from high-end restaurants to his current role in the healthcare facility industry. Uh, Previously a certified executive chef from the ACF, Kevin, what else would you like to share with our listeners today about just your background and how you became an executive chef? Tell us us a little bit. You know, I always like to to start these things at the beginning. You know, you you see where you're at now and that's great. But the journey on the way there, I think, is the most important part. So tell us, how how did you get started? Well, I would start by saying that long, strange trip it's been. Uh, It never ends as you, uh, you know, as it began. And you know, to be honest, you told us to be in healthcare food service, you know, uh, 20 years ago, I'd have laughed you out of the room. Um, however, you know, I started really out of necessity as my first job. This is absolutely the only thing I've ever done is hospitality. Early on, I got the bug. Uh, my first job was a busboy at Ruby Tuesdays, and I soon got promoted to the illustrious job of, of the salad bar attendant. Uh, and this little aged me a little bit, but, uh, you know, I had to wash the fake kale that was on the salad bar. Uh, <laughs> and quickly just kind of, uh, if you've been around long enough, you'll, you'll know what that is. Um, but, you know, it quickly just got intrigued by the energy and the buzz of the hospitality uh, business, to be honest. I mean, it started at, you know, 15, 16 looking for a job, but I really just, Man, it was infectious. When I saw the energy of a bustling restaurant on Friday night or Saturday night, even though I wasn't a part of the action, I could just feel it. Um, and quickly kind of went from that to prep. Uh, I was really intrigued by just the organization of the prep guy. He was lightning fast. He came in before the restaurant even opened. And it was just to watch him, just how he did what he did was uh, really impressive. And, you know, just kind of moved through the ranks of the restaurant and got the bug and had a manager and a mentor that was really great and said, you know, if you really like this, you should get out of here and uh, and get some training. Um, and, and pointed me towards a culinary school and uh, was lucky enough uh, out of Nashville to have what used to be Opera Land Hotel, which is now Gaylord that many people know, you know, giant hotel here in Nashville. And was able to get into kind of an old school apprenticeship program, uh, which is too cool. I mean, it was three years fully hands-on. Not only were they telling you about it, but they were showing you. You wow. literally had, you know, several months in absolutely every station. So a uh, pretty cool experience. You don't, you don't often get that anymore, that kind of uh, that time and that hands-on approach. No, it, it, it's a, a bit of a lost art. Uh, you know, everything now is fast-tracked, you know. What can you do in nine months or 12 months or 18 months? But I'll tell you, when I left there, I felt really confident. Um, and so my first job, I landed, got lucky enough to land executive chef, which was well over my head, let me be frank. Um, there was uh, the Cincinnati Bengals had, had built a brand-new uh, practice stadium and facility outside of Cincinnati. 
somebody thought I was ready for that, uh, and clearly it was a giant job. Uh, but, you know, my whole career I've kind of figured out how to put myself in uncomfortable positions and, and figure it out along the way. I think that's an important part of the growth. Um, I mean, you want to be honest with people what you're capable of, but also push yourself. And uh, that job is a great example from feeding all the uh, all the team, you know, the summer meals for training camp to full concessions, sky boxes, et cetera, uh, was, was an amazing experience. And I, I feel like working in a kitchen is one of those environments where you are going to be uncomfortable. It's whether yeah. it's with the pace of it, with the heat, with the humidity, it is an environment that tests you and cause and helps you grow. So um, yeah, yeah one of those. no doubt. And Go ahead, Kevin. Sorry. We, we talk over each other. No, sometimes. No, I was just going to say no doubt. And I think each of them have their own hurdles, right? From a, quick service restaurant like the Ruby Tuesdays to, uh, you know, fine dining, five-star kind of cuisine. That's a different environment to a, a really busy hotel that had probably 2,000 rooms at the time. Uh, you know, from there, went to do the Bengals. From the Bengals, went to do college universities. A contractor came and took over the business. And to be honest, I had never even heard of a contractor. Uh, didn't know what that meant at all. And little did I know that was taking me on a journey that took me throughout college universities in the Southeast and uh, landed me in, uh, about 15 years ago in healthcare with Morrison Healthcare. And it's been, uh, it's been an incredible journey ever since. Yeah, I feel like that is, that is one of those things when you, when you talk about the places that you've jumped to, each one seems to have been kind of a significant jump in responsibility and yet very different at the same time. But it does kind of harken back to what you just said, which was, you know, there's really no growth without a little bit of pain. And I don't think that matters, you know, whether it's physical, mental, or in your career. I think one of those things that, you know, everybody that gets into the culinary career has that kind of fear of being stagnant somewhere. So it sounds like, uh, you know, your career has continued to push you into new and different situations. So where along that path did you really explore the idea of, uh, of going after your certified executive chef status, your, your accreditation? You know, to be honest, really early on, I uh, had an incredible mentor named Doc Jensen um, that, you know, kind of mentored a lot of students. Uh, I went to culinary school with a grandson, so, you know, multiple generations, and he kind of coached us on the culinary team and some of those things. And so I got the bug early on, and it's that literally the month that I was eligible to be a certified executive chef, I went and did that. And I actually sloppily let it lap somewhere along the way, and I went and did it again uh, because I thought it was that important to say, hey, can I st- am I still all I think I am? <laughs> can I still have it? An ego uh, check. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was a good, you know, I didn't need it, you know, for my job, but it was a good check of my humility for sure to, to go back and make sure that I was keeping my skills sharp. And I think it's important in any of these. I mean, I don't think – these certifications define you uh, in your role. I think many people maybe focus too much on them, but I think it is important that you, you know, support the organization that supports your profession. And, uh, you know, this is yet another great example of what we're doing here today. So you talked a little bit before of how you got into the healthcare food service space, but I would love for you to share what you find so interesting about that particular part of the food service industry um, and, and what's kind of kept you there? 
You know, I wish I could say that I, like, really sought it out and I thought, you know, I'm so strategic with my career that I'm going to go step by step and it's going to take me there. But, you know, that's honestly not how it happened. I was just looking for something different. I'd done the colleges and it treated me well, uh, but I was looking for something different that had a little more meaning to it, uh, that I could really make a difference. Um, and I uh, met an incredible recruiter that, you know, brought me to, to Morrison. I had never heard of Morrison Healthcare, didn't know who that was or what that meant. Uh, and, and I actually didn't know really what healthcare food service is all about other than what you hear, right? Hospital food service has not always had this most stellar reputation, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I met some folks that were really interested in making a difference in people's lives. Uh, it was more than just serving lunch. And that intrigued me big time uh, because that's when 15 years ago, health and wellness started to become a thing, right? Especially in the middle of the country, outside the coast, they started to understand that, hey, food and nutrition uh, happens to have a lot to do with how, how good you feel and, uh, and uh, how well you stay. And it's less about healing sick people and more about keeping healthy people well. And I thought, all right, that's me. Uh, I had never done too much of that, but it really intrigued me to figure out how can I make unbelievable taste in food? And, oh, by the way, it's pretty good for you, too. Uh, and so that moving this direction, and it's been it's been a, a, an incredible ride. I think the timing was really good on my part, uh, mm-hmm. probably more by luck. But just thinking about where we are today and uh, people's understanding of food and nutrition and functional foods, has just been really exciting. So we're, we're really been in a good spot. Did you find that you had a little bit more of a work-life balance um, in the healthcare sector than you had in maybe hotels or restaurants? Without a doubt. That's no question. I mean, I would say always, people ask me about that, I always say it's a, it's a young man's game or a young person's game, um, you know, uh, restaurant, hotels. Now, I got to tell you, it's, it's addictive, uh, for sure, because it is high energy, high pace, and it's hard to get away from, uh, mm-hmm. to be honest. It's, it's definitely a lifestyle. Uh, but, you know, for those trying to raise families and uh, those kind of things, it can be tough, uh, no doubt about it. And, um, you know, although all of it is work, I mean, I work as hard as I ever have today, uh, but it's just a different work, uh, for sure. Right. Nights and weekends are a little less than they have been in the past. And, you know, that was your busiest time in the restaurant. I can't tell you how many Mother's Day brunches I have stood and, and did uh, omelets, you know, at an omelet station uh, rather than be with my mom, uh, for sure. So uh, here at Morrison Healthcare, I'm at home uh, with my family on Mother's Day. So uh, it is definitely better uh, work-life balance for sure. Yeah, I don't, I don't mean to laugh at the the fact that you missed a lot of Mother's Days. It just it brings me back <laughs> to uh, when I first started in in kitchens. I was at Roy's Wine Fusion, and I had to send an email out to pretty much everyone I could think of saying, "I love you all very much, but please stop inviting me to holiday events. I I won't be there on the weekend, and I won't see you on that <laughs> holiday. This is the yeah. life I've chosen." So, <laughs> yep. so just brought back a exactly bittersweet right. memory there. Mm-hmm. But well, Kevin, you know, what were you going to say, Danny? Oh, I was going to ask our next question and go a little bit more into hospitality for healthcare. Yeah, uh, please. So, yeah, I mean, we know for hospitality the co- that COVID and the pandemic have represented some of the biggest challenges those industries will hopefully ever face. Um, that said, yeah. many have had time to prepare for some of the changes due forced to cus- closures and quarantines. 
but as we know, healthcare can't close. That that's just not an option. Uh, so, what are some of the changes forced on food service in 2020 in healthcare, and what was it like adapting to those changes in real time? Uh, a blur. Uh, <laughs> it really was. I mean. You know, I think when dramatic events happen like that in everybody's life, it, it you can remember some odd things, right? Um, where you were on 9-11, you know, all those kinds of things have happened over time that you remember, like where you were, what you were watching, or those kinds of things. And I remember vividly um, watching some sports and NBA and also um, the NCAA tournament. And when I saw them cancel the NCAA tournament, I knew, uh-oh, this is real, uh, very real. Yeah. Because I think for a lot of us, we never, we didn't know what a pandemic was, right? For all of us, so we didn't know what that meant. Uh, you know, that the, was from the, the olden times. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, that was like something in a movie, right? Contagion or something. But <laughs> I think as it became real and we realized, hey, this is here. I think still most of us thought it was short-term, right? A couple of months, mm-hmm. whatever, we'll be back on track. And so we all quickly went into this, like, temporary mindset of the things we were going to change for a couple of months and get back to normal. Uh, and we went, to be honest, we were on strict defense. You know, I went into full hunker down for just a second. What can I do to protect, you know, myself, my family, you know, my coworkers? What can we do to protect the business? Um and quickly I realized, hey, I got to get out of defense and get out of offense. And, you know, I don't know how long that took exactly, but it took a minute, uh, you know, 30 days or so. And I kind of shook it all off and said, all right, we got to get up here and get to work. You know, our coworkers, our livelihood is counting on it, to be honest. We must adapt and try to mm-hmm. figure some things out and not just, you know, hide and watch. And that was a turning point for, for me personally and for us as an organization to say, hey, you know, we got to get busy here. There's some things to get done. And um, that's what I remember most, kind of about that turning point early on is to say, hey, man, we got to, we can't sit here on defense the whole time. And, and what were some of the, what were the, you know, thinking back on it when, you know, you go into late 2019, early 2020, everything is kind of business as usual. Looking back on some of those key changes, what were what were the big things that stand out at you that you had to say, okay, we need to rewrite the playbook on this in terms of food service? I mean, first and foremost was safety, right? Uh, everybody wants, and we're in hospitals, right? So think COVID, and oh, by the way, would you like to come eat with us at the hospital? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that mm-hmm. was a challenging time because. It was, you know, uncharted territory. No one knew how you could get COVID, that the pass through food, all those kinds of things. So immediately we had to first, you know, uh, exude confidence with our guests that they could trust us with their food. Uh, that was first and foremost, and we, we did that quickly. Secondly, many of the healthcare workers, you know, were working 18, 24 hours a day kind of thing, not being able to get home to their families to have food, et cetera. And so we immediately opened some grocery store-style service uh, in our cafes. And believe it or not, oh, wow. you know, if you remember back, toilet paper was our number one seller for just a minute. Uh, I bet. Thought I bet. That, that was going to be on the list. Um, we can laugh about it now, but at the time, that was a real thing. And so we were able to, you know, deliver not only those things, but some, some real staple items for people's families that, that made a big difference. And I can imagine, you know, especially when 
they've already got, you know, maybe their, their loved ones are in the hospital for something as serious as COVID or something like that. And then you go home and realize that you don't have a grocery store and you don't have toilet paper. I can imagine that went over fairly well in terms of, uh, you know, meeting, meeting the guest's need, meeting the client's needs. It really did. I think it just went a long way to say, hey, we hear you. We're paying attention. You know, we're not tone deaf to what's happening around us and not trying to just make the next new chicken sandwich, right? Uh, limited time offer. We're really thinking about what our guests need and meeting them where they are on that journey. I mean, that quickly evolved into, okay, hey, they're, now there's bread on the shelves and toilet paper at the stores. Now we need to evolve. And I think that's probably the story that came out. A lot of this is just the evolution of, you know, that what's a need today may not be a need at all in 90 days, uh, especially mm-hmm. during this pandemic mm-hmm. and, and the need to change so quick. And I think that's a good point that you bring up too, is that innovations don't necessarily have to stick long-term, that they can be a temporary solution. Uh, But with some of the innovations that you've seen come up through the healthcare space, what do you think is going to be some of the sticking ones that we see uh, that continue to stay in healthcare and maybe expand into like the B&I or the entertainment lines of business? I mean, it's impossible to ignore just the technology of it all. You know, in tech forever, just saying technology kind of quote unquote meant innovation. And I would argue it's not innovation at all. It's, it's must have at this point. And so whether that's mobile order pay, whether that's self checkout, whether that's anything online, I mean, the speed at which some of these smaller restaurant groups were able to get even a liquor store down the road, right? Mm-hmm. When you couldn't go into a store, they figured out an app uh, and, and a website, not even as a part of a big company, and able to open up because they knew their, their livelihood depended on it. I mean, people got websites up in less than 30 days, which are all things that everyone was thinking of before. But I would say this pandemic just shoved us all forward, and not in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Uh, shame on all of us. I <laughs> know uh, for me, shame on me for having so many things in the hopper and wanting to get them perfect before we launched. Instead, everything I did during the pandemic was so not perfect. <laughs> it was fast, though. I was able to respond and iterate. Okay, it's not right. We'll launch it, see the feedback, and make changes. And I think the tech world has done a good job with that. You know, they. They call it sprints, right? What can we mm-hmm. do in the next six weeks or four weeks immediately? Launch it, iterate, and continue to make it better. And, uh, you know, we also learn how to fail fast. Every idea is not a good one, and that's okay, as long as you don't ride it all the way down into the ground, <laughs> that at some point, you know, you get off of that idea and you get on to the next. And I think, you know, this pandemic has really um, – shine light on those that move quickly and cut the red tape and bureaucracy of, you know, especially large organizations, it it challenged us uh, for sure to say, hey, we got to think and be more nimble uh, and flexible as we move forward. And I think you bring up some really good points too, that you do have to fail fast. Uh, And Mike, I know you can talk to this a lot as well, that a lot of our food service operations really are, are focusing on that cost and see those sprints, those trial and errors, that ability to iterate as potentially op- potentially sunken costs. Um, and so yep. they might not be viable, but mm-hmm. I think that hopefully, much like you said, with this pandemic, we've reached that turning point where we're looking at how can we create these environments where we're testing things, where we're iterating so that we can innovate. Innovation isn't just like, hey, I made this new product. It's 
what are all the steps that we're doing to provide a new service or meet a new need? How are we continuing to improve the service that we're providing? We see that a lot in tech with like booking.com where they have this role where anybody in the company can do a test, no questions asked, don't need manager approval. You just yeah. got to create that environment. And, and that's a, it, it that's is, an, it is, a, it is, and it also paying attention to what's going on around us outside of our own industry. I think sometimes, I know in healthcare for sure, we look at e- each other too much. We need to be thinking about what did the retailer down the road do, right? How did Lowe's do, you know, curbside pickup so fast? What did the local liquor store do? What did, what are they doing about how they sell mattresses now, right? It doesn't matter where those ideas come from. Much of it now is about just the customer experience. Period. How can you make it less less friction and easier and simpler to bring more things to the guests where they are? You know, used to the idea was, you know, trying to get guests to come to you, right? What could you do? What kind of noise promotion could you do to get them to come to you? And now it's flipped on its head. What can we do to go to them wherever they are uh, mm-hmm. on a campus? And I think that's just a different, you know, it's a culture change for sure especially for food service in general, that it's just not in general that, that quick to respond sometimes. Um, uh, I'm, I got to tell you that this, as tough as this pandemic has been in so many ways, it's been, you know, there's definitely been some silver linings that it has challenged us and changed us for some things that will be better forever. Uh, and I'm, I'm kind of grateful for that piece. And that is one of, you know, something that you just touched on, which was kind of the cross-sector, cross-industry, um, you know, looking outside of your comfort zone, which is maybe the other the other units around you, the other people in healthcare. I think that's not to plug SHFM by any means, but I, I mean, since we're yeah. on it and we're talking about it, that is one of the great <laughs> things of organizations like ours that we try to focus on is bringing people together across the hospitality and food service industry, which covers every sector you can possibly think of. I mean, you know, hospitality and food service are kind of the core of of almost all things when when you look at it, bringing people together um, and providing that safe and happy and fun environment to create an experience. And it's not just in healthcare, it's in corporate and looking at what they're doing really well or, or ways they can improve and trying to bring those people into the right room, which I think, you know, kind of lends it here to why impor- how important this conversation is that we're having and how great it is to have someone, you know, outside of what most of SHFMCs outside of, you know, their, their comfort zone to bring in these different opinions and, and find those solutions. And what's so cool is that we're all trying to solve the same thing, right? So mm-hmm. whether I learned mm-hmm. something from the airport to Subway, brand new, new menu launch, you know, just last week to something they're doing in college universities, that's amazing. I mean, there is something to learn from all of us. And I think all of us in hospitality, we're trying to figure it out at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. How can we do curbside pickup? What can we do for mobile order pay? And so there were some great examples out there floating around. And I think, you know, one thing I, we can't have this conversation without talking about is a little bit about the war on talent. You know, that if there's ever something that's changed, that has absolutely changed about, especially in hospitality, right? Now, more than ever, uh, people are struggling. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would never thought mm-hmm. I would see a sign on Starbucks that said, hey, by the way, we may be out of products and it may take a while. Just be patient. Sorry in advance. I mean, a Starbucks in the world would never say that. And now almost every restaurant I go to has a sign on the front door pretty much saying, hey, we're going to be sorry. <laughs> we're going to be slow. We don't have the people we need. And please be nice to the people that are here. And um, 
I think we can all learn from that. I think, you know, I know, you know, Morrison is trying to figure out how to, how to attract and retain talent better. How do we make it easier for people to apply, whether it's through text? Who would have thought mm-hmm. anyone's going to apply for a job through text? But now if you don't do that, you are behind. And mm-hmm. um, I think that piece is going to stick for a long time. Interesting. And, you know, we we had a conversation with Mike Shadow a couple of weeks ago, and I won't go too much into it because it's another podcast. Listeners, if you haven't heard it yet, please, please go listen to it. But one thing he did touch on that I'm wondering if it's the same in healthcare, you're seeing the same thing is kind of a scale back of services offered until everyone can get back up into speed, whether it's issues in supply chain or staffing. Are you running into those same kind of takeaways in the healthcare industry? I'd say not as much. I mean, one, healthcare never closes, right? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Two, all the hospitals are understaffed, right? Struggle for people themselves. And they have very little patience <laughs> for, for hearing about our problems, to be frank with you. And I, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just the truth. But we do have to do fewer things better. And I think we need to do that anyway. So what a great time to make sure that we're streamlining menus and we're being smart on menu engineering and all of those kinds of things. We're cross-utilizing ingredients, all the things that is restaurant 101. I don't care what, you know, uh, line of business you're in. And that's good for the business. That cleans us up and lets us, you know, do, do fewer things better. And the customers win when you do that. We have not been able to do too much just straight up cutting out of services. Catering definitely, you know, obviously was – was a hit early on, um, and, you know, that's starting to come back a little bit. You know, self-service, of course, is done, you know, may never come back. Who knows? Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, time will tell. But, um, you know, we, we were lucky enough to, to have a whole lot of brand-new business during this time, which was kind of weird. You know, on one hand, we had a lot of business really struggling kind of our day-to-day. Uh, and then on another hand, we had a ton of new clients. And so we were sending some of our team members into some, you know, really tough environments. And we were headed to Houston and DC when everything in the news said, please don't come. <laughs> um, yep. Timing, you know, it, it was a weird time. And I got to tell you, I couldn't be prouder of, you know, not of our organization, but our teams that we were doing something really important. You know, there was a lot of press around, you know, hospital heroes, healthcare heroes, right? There were posters, there were signs, there was news coverage. And uh, selfishly, I felt cheated, to be honest, not me personally, but our teams, because Mm -hmm. who didn't get the attention was healthcare food service workers. Mm -hmm. So they were celebrating the nurses and doctors, bringing in outside food around us to to celebrate them. And at the end of the day, they're kind of cutting some jobs out in the middle. And, uh, you know, the hospital soon kind of fixed that. But, you know, I was really proud of the folks, frontline people, um, incredible stories um, of what they were doing to keep keep the heroes rolling. And, yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt there that being a food service worker in healthcare in the middle of a pandemic was probably <laughs> one of the most difficult spots you can be in because because even on, on its on its easiest day, it's not easy to be in food service. There there are really no yeah. off days. There's no checking emails. There is uh, something that you know I want to go into a little bit more, but always having that sense of urgency. Um, yeah. And I think that's you know we talked about that when we explored this concept a little bit. You mentioned that that sense of urgency was really um, something that came to the forefront during the pandemic. The 
Can you explain really a little bit more about, you know, what does that mean? What do you, what do you mean when you say that sense of urgency? You know, I, and I, I'd say I learned that early on. I mean, the chef world, you know, especially old school chefs, I mean, you didn't walk anywhere casually, right? If you're going to the cooler, you better get on with it, right? If you're going to go put up the stock, you better you better be doing it with intention and sense of urgency. And that was really more the physical task. I think now it is about doing things with intention and being quick about it, right? Not overthinking it, not overstudying it and have a sense of urgency, because I'll be honest, um, there's some things that were on the docket that should have been done prior to this pandemic that we were thinking about and churning about. Had we had a sense of urgency then, we could have, would have, should have, you know, been Mm -hmm. better prepared. We didn't know we were preparing for a pandemic. However, we could have been better prepared, right? I, me, our teams, those kinds of things. Had we had Work with a sense of urgency when you don't have to be in a hurry. I think it's really the idea is that how about we get prepared so that when, if something happens, hopefully never a pandemic again, but when things change, we're ready. And I think that's what, you know, having a sense of urgency, it's easy when, you know, you have to be in a hurry and you have to do that. But having that mindset when, you, you know, when you're kind of on the off time uh, is the important piece, I think, in preparation. And it's that idea of urgency without the rush. It's creating a sense of situational awareness that we know a lot of like military special ops teams do, right? It's kind of look through everything that's going to happen and then try to address those. Uh, But expanding a little bit on the sense of urgency in the kitchen, how do you think we can translate that definition of urgency uh, into our industry as a whole? And how can we keep that going when things start to get back to normal? You know, you mentioned, I I forgot the example you gave, you know, uh, starting, you know, one with leadership of creating an environment, a culture that allows people to try, uh, right? Try new things, fail fast, and and it be okay. Um, And that's hard. I mean, the margins in healthcare are razor thin. Nobody's got too much appetite uh, for for you know too many mistakes. However, I think you know the new world's going to be looking for a whole lot of new ideas and new delivery models, and it's going to take some chances, and not all of them are going to work. And I think um, you know challenge yourself as leaders, as folks that are listening to this call today, is to create a culture that allows that to happen, and and. And you and you you mirror that, right? You show people that hey, it's okay to make mistakes, and you call your mistakes out when you do it, and it allows people to get more comfortable taking chances. Uh, one, and then two, just doing that with speed uh, when you don't have to. It's easy to hurry when you know it's the rush hour, but if you're not prepping in the morning in a hurry, I mean, I remember the prep guy at Ruby Tuesdays, and at 10 a.m. he's running like the customers are coming at him right now. And they don't come until five o'clock at dinner. But he knew that if he didn't hustle and and get, you know, all the foods prepped, that it it would be tough on the guy at five o'clock. And I think that Mm -hmm. mindset of that Mm -hmm. early prep cook, man, that's all about mise en place. As being a chef, right, is being organized now so that when crunch time comes, I'm ready. And I got to tell you, that applies to all kinds of things in life for sure. For sure. And I I think that we just touched on two SHFM favorites, which is servant leadership and the idea of mise en place and everything that you do. 
I, I also right. feel I'll like check if, the box. Yeah. <laughs> if, uh, if our world as a whole could take the chef's mentality of, you know, working with that sense of urgency and efficiency in everything that it did, we would be on Mars 30 years ago. So I don't think there's anything <laughs> outside to that. And, you know, the, the one thing I kind of keep hearing you say over and over again is to get at that point where you are um, supporting your employees to fail forward. You know, nobody ever wants to fail, but if you're going to fail, fail forward and learn from it and move quickly. Um, and do you think that clients are still going to kind of embrace that six months from now, a year from now, in the best case scenario that we're back to normal? How can we keep that a permanent thing? So I think it's a wonderful thing for advancing our industry, but how do we keep that a permanent, uh, you know, get the momentum going on that and keep it going? You know, it's tough to say, but I, I'll say this. What I, I feel like clients respond to and customers is just authenticity and honesty, right, and to be real about it. I mean, again, the, the examples of the, the, the signs on the front door sets the tone for, hey, man, we're doing the best we can, I'm telling you, up front, rather than let you come in thinking everything's great and it takes you 30 minutes to get your soup. <laughs> They're setting the expectation up front. And I don't think anybody's looking to get off the hook to give great service of so just trying to be frank. And mm -hmm. I think clients respect that. And in, in, in my experience, they, they respect that. Some of them also want to go first, you know, to say, hey, we got this idea. You know, it's not fully baked. We've done some research. Uh, you know, we feel good about it. However, we're looking for partners, right? There's mm -hmm. a difference. There is, you know, um, uh, an employee or a, and a partner. You know, we're looking for people that are looking to partner with us, meaning go, walk side by side with us as we kind of go on this journey and, and be honest when things don't work and make quick changes. Same as I said with urgency is to maybe to, to adjust quickly. And I think, you know, a lot of clients have a whole lot of patience for that when they see that it's much better than the opposite. than someone knocking on your door and say, what have you done for me lately? Nothing has changed. You've been sitting there frozen because of the pandemic. You don't know what to do. The sky's falling and you haven't made it move. And I think I would rather be on the other side. If I'm going to be in trouble, I'm going to be, I'm going to go down trying. That's for sure. Uh, rather than kind of sit frozen. So I think offense is, is the best policy there. It's yeah. It's that idea of being proactive rather than reactive. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's something we touched on a bit in our conversation thus far is that it, it pays to be proactive. We can't just sit there and, and wait for things to happen. Um, and just kind of going on to our next question that we have, we talked on it a little bit on guest expectations, but in your experience in healthcare specifically, how have guest expectations around food service changed in the last year? I think significantly, and I think, um, you know, their experience outside the four walls of the hospital has helped, right? They've seen how things have changed in the regular world, whether you're talking about pricing or product availability, right? When you go to your favorite store and your favorite thing's not there and somebody says, hey, sorry, we just simply can't get it, you know, and we're in the middle of that right now, not just us. I think our, you know, our entire industry, it's going to be weird for quite a while, I believe, around things that never happened before. And I feel like just a little bit of patience has, has went a long way. And I think they have been. I also think different styles of service. Uh, I think thinking about 
whether that's ghost kitchens or virtual kitchens or different ways to deliver food than, you know, an old school, you know, big cafeteria. You know, those giant cafeterias are probably headed out, right? And this idea of whether it's food halls or ghost kitchen, virtual kitchen, any of those kind of, you know, mesh of ideas is probably here to stay. And I think the service style probably will change most dramatic in, you know, leveraging technology in the future. And maybe we'll have some robot deliveries. I know that those are really popular on BNI campus, and I can only imagine that that might help the guest experience in healthcare as well. Um, but as we, we keep talking about the future, as we're getting closer to whatever this new normal post-pandemic world looks like, do you expect that we'll return to a pre-COVID style of food service anytime soon, or do you think it's still just going to keep evolving? I hope not, uh, to be honest <laughs> with you. I, you know, I hope this shoved us in a positive direction. It shoved us for sure, right? Um, you know, and I think it humbled a lot of us, uh, no doubt about it. When you're heading on about your business and everything's good, you know, I think companies and people, you know, it's easy to be, you know, to do well when things are good, right? But I think a lot of us, right, it, it's really about when things get tough, how do you react? And I think mm -hmm. that's what I'm most proud of about what we've done, what our industry has done is, we have flat out saw some things. Uh, and I don't just mean us, Morrison Healthcare, but I mean our industry. I mean, how creative have people been around takeout kitchens that have never had a takeout kitchen? I got a friend that's got a restaurant that totally got a saw and cut the side of the building out and put in a to-go kitchen, you know, within about a wow. week because his, his livelihood depended on it, right? He had to. And I think, you know, restaurants in New York have an outdoor, I mean, you name it. It's mm -hmm. been pretty impressive for what, you know, hospitality industry has done. And I don't think we're done with that. I think we're going to continue to iterate and get some things right. Doesn't mean always failing fast. It also means getting some things right. And we're famous. Our whole industry is famous for getting things right in the end. And I'm excited about what, you know, that next, you know, customer experience um, uh, can be in the future. I love it. Love it. Well, we want to thank you, Kevin. We want to thank uh, Morrison Healthcare for allowing us to sit down and get um, a, a very different insight than I think we see every day within SHFM, particularly into healthcare and uh, you and your colleagues and all of your employees and your wonderful teams. Well, first off, thank you to all of them for everything they put in in the last year and everything they've done, honestly, every day before and after, you know, not just during the pandemic, but it's a very underappreciated segment. So just a big shout out and thank you to all of them. Um, but one thing, you know, as, as we, we have one Time for one last question here. One thing we always love to say and then to ask is, I want you to take a second and think back to that bright-eyed, bushy-tailed Kevin walking into Ruby <laughs> Tuesday, the beginning of his career, all full of hope. Um, no, just you know, <laughs> loving those Friday nights. <laughs> loving those Friday yeah. nights, seeing the action. What is one thing that, if you had an opportunity to have a quick conversation with him, what would you say to that, Kevin? just to set him on the right path in his career? Man, you're a great question. You know, uh, early in my career, I would sign uh, the bottom of emails or cards that I would send to chefs, and uh, I would say three things. I would say, come early, stay late, and taste everything. And really what I mean by that, it's not work more hours, but be curious, right? I learned early in my career in a fancy restaurant. I had never seen half the ingredients coming in the door, and my chef, you know, kind of made me try those things uh, as we went. And it was about being curious. 
And, you know, mm-hmm. be curious about what the airports are doing around food service. Be curious about what college universities. Be curious about how they did, you know, self-checkout at the hotel, right? All of those kinds of things, I think, especially this is a great platform to do that. Be curious about what the other guys are doing because there's something that probably applies. And I think if you stay curious, uh, you'll find some of those answers you're looking for. I love that. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a that's a great response. I know. That's um, so good. Yeah. I have to, let's take that one to heart. Um, man, yeah. Wouldn't it be great just to have that opportunity, though, and say, you know, corner yourself for one minute going back 10, 20, 30 yeah. years, whatever. Say, please listen. Just listen. I love it. I probably wouldn't have, I probably wouldn't have listened. I was, I was no. moving too fast back then. I probably wouldn't have listened. But, uh, hey, no. thank you guys, you know, one, for having me, but two, for this platform, because, uh, this is, we need more of this, right? Cross collaboration with, you know, different sectors in the hospitality industry. And this is too cool that you guys put this together. And thanks again for having me. You're uh, so welcome. Awesome. Yeah, truly our pleasure. This was a fantastic conversation. So. All right. Well, to all you listeners out there, uh, this was another episode of Served by SHFM and stay tuned for more information and we'll have more information about Kevin on our website. Thanks everybody. Mm-hmm. Catch you on the next one. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Served by SHFM, your food service hospitality podcast. Please keep in mind that the views and opinions expressed on today's episode are not necessarily those of SHFM or any of its members.